This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. We're talking about hope, and the word hope from the Scriptures means the happy anticipation of something good. Boy, I'm telling you, we hear enough bad news, don't we? It's bad news on the left and bad news on the right. And you know what? A lot of that bad news is the facts. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to give you something bigger than the facts today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Something that can triumph over your facts. Something that's bigger than the circumstance of your life. Hallelujah. I'm so glad we don't serve a little itty-bitty God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, how many of you got your Bibles with you today, either on your phone or... Hallelujah. You got your Bible? Let's see them things. I like to see them. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, you can find Romans chapter 4. We're going to be looking at that today. Just a few moments. You know, as I said, the word hope is from a Greek word. It means a happy anticipation, a good expectation, and confidence. I'll tell you, if there's anything that our nation and the world needs right now, it's, it's the God kind of hope. Amen? It's the happy anticipation of something good. It is a confidence that is grounded in God, in His Word, in His throne, in His power. Can I hear a holy grunt? (laughs) Okay. Hallelujah. See, hope, listen, hope enables me to project my vision into the future. I'll tell you what, my future's not getting dark and and, and bad and failure and all that. No. I mean, you know, if that's the future you want, God help you. But I'm telling you, i got a happy anticipation. God's at work in my life. God's at work in this nation. God's at work in this church. God's at work. See, just like Abraham, we're going to look at Abraham today. By hope, he was able to see beyond his present circumstances into the future God had for him. You think about old Abraham. You know this. You know the story, most of you. God called him. He said, he said I'm going to take you out into a land where I'm going to show you at 75. Hallelujah. How would you like to uproot and move to the mission field at 75? That's, that's basically what God asked Abram to do, wasn't it? He said, leave, leave your home, leave your family, leave all the comforts, everything you know, your culture, everything that, that's, that you know is, is, your, is known to you. And at 75, he said, going to move you to a new land that I'm going to show you. Amen? And so Abraham, and I like this over in Hebrews 11, it, when it's talking about Abraham, it said he went out not knowing. See, a lot of times we want to know everything, but God says sometimes you just got to go out in faith not knowing everything. All you got to know is what God said. Now, if you, if you move out and God hadn't said, then, you know, <laughs> you could get in trouble. But like Abraham, see, we, we've got to draw upon God's strength through hope and His promise. And so even though our facts may be saying one thing, God's promise is saying something else. Let's look in Hebrews 4, 
verse 18. We're just going to read a part of this. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this story, probably like me, have read it many times. It says, consequently, just as... Uh, wait a minute. That's five. I knew that didn't sound right. Four. Here we go. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. Now, that sounds like a contradiction, didn't it? In other words, we said this, that, you know, that, that we tie our hope. Our hope depends on what our hope is anchored to. Whether or not our hope is strong or not, whether our hope is, is solid or not, depends on what it's anchored to. If our hope is anchored to the economy, if our hope is anchored to our, our circumstances, the facts of our life, I'm telling you what, you may get to a place where you become hopeless. You may get discouraged. But Abraham here, he found something to attach his hope to. Remember, we said that hope is an anchor for the soul. When our hope is attached to God, when it's attached to His promise, then I'm telling you what, we can be like Abraham here. He says, against all hope, in hope he believed. Hallelujah. Man, people are telling me, boy, it don't look too hopeful, does it? I said, it sure does. It looks more hopeful than it's ever been. They look at you like, you know, a cow to Newgate. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him. 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 He, he believed in hope. The hope that what? Just as it had been said to him. Listen, what has God said to you? Well, I don't know. Well, they said, that's your problem. You need to know what has God said to you. Abraham remembered what God had said to him. When everything looked contrary, when the facts of his life looked like it's not going to happen, it's not going to come to pass, your future is bleak, it's not going to happen. He says he remembered God's hope. He remembered and believed that just as it had been said to him, that's the way it was going to be. You ever, you ever, I remember at times driving in the mountains, and I remember especially in Mexico, we, we went several times in Mexico on mission trips and all, and we'd, we'd go through the Sierra Madre Mountains, and they have what they call, you know, those switchbacks, you know, because, you know, you have to work your way up the mountain. You know, you go back and forth like that going up. And, you know, and that, that's the funny thing. If you could have gone in a straight line, I mean, man, you could have been there in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. But And see, sometimes as God's leading us, it's not always the direct path. It's, you know, it's some switchbacks. But you... But we keep moving up, moving up forward. And the problem is, if we let go of our hope, we stop the journey. We stop the process. Abraham was 75 when God first told him. He said, he said I'm going to give you a child. 85 came, no child. Wow. Most people would have given up right then. 95 came, he's 95. Everybody say 95. You know anybody that's 95? I had an aunt that just passed away just three days short of her 96th birthday. 95, having a child. I don't, and I don't know if they had any mirrors back in Abraham's day, but can you imagine every time? I mean, you know, he's looking at Sarah, Sarah's looking at him. 95. Then, you know, time goes by. That's the big enemy, isn't it? As time goes by. So the battleground of hope is facts, the facts of your life versus the promise of God. The promise of your life versus the facts of your life. 
you know, <clears throat> most of us are very much aware of the facts of our life. And listen, the facts are the facts. We don't deny the facts. You know, the Bible didn't say, you know, in Mark 11 over there, he didn't say, he said, he didn't say that faith is calling things that are as if they weren't. He said it's calling things that are not as if they were. You get that turned around, you get all confused. We don't deny the facts. We just say that there's something bigger than the facts. I'm not, my faith's not in the facts. I don't need to have any faith in the facts. The facts are the facts. Amen? If I look down and my tire's flat on my truck, I, you know, hey, it, I, don't need, I don't have to believe in that. I mean, it's, it's the facts. What I have to believe in and tie my hope and my faith to is what, what has God said. And that's always the choice in our life, isn't it? You know, nothing's ever absolutely perfectly aligned yet except by faith and hope in my life as far as the circumstances and the facts go. And so, you know, I'll have to make a choice. I'm always making choices. What am I going to tie my hope to? What am I going to tie my faith to? And it has to be the promise of God because that's the battleground, isn't it? Right up here. It's right up here. This is where the battleground is. It's right up here in our noggin. And that's where the facts want to yell. And both of these, we're going to see that both hope and facts have a voice. Do you know money has a voice? Boy, I'm telling you what, especially when you ain't got none. It really talks to you, doesn't it? <clears throat> he said, so shall your offspring be without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact. He faced the fact. Say, he faced the fact. We're not afraid of facts. Amen? You know, you get all kind of people, well, you know, I just don't know if this... Yeah, this COVID-19, I just don't think there's much to it. Well, go tell all those people that have been buried. No, it's facts. There's some facts there. But notice what he said. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that put Sarah at about 90. And Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Now, how do you keep from wavering? You must regard the promise of God. In other words, give heed to it. Let it fill your mind. Let it fill your heart. See, this is where people get in a problem. The reason they, they struggle so with fear and, and doubts and things like that is because they're, <clears throat> they're facing the fact, but that's all they're facing. And so the facts is all that's speaking into their life. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. You're going to be next. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. You're going to lose your job next. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. You're going to be the next one sick. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. But we have to regard the promise of God. So here's the thing, Patsy Church. What promise has God made to you? Boy, you better know it. Facts usually always stand, at least initially, in opposition to the promise of God. When God gave the promise to Abraham... I'm telling you, the circumstances in his body and in Sarah's body was completely in opposition to the promise. They had been trying, you know they've been trying to have kids. I mean, they're 75. I mean, they've probably been married, you know. I mean, no, they, they got married there. They might have been married for 60 years or close to it. They've been having, a, I mean, you know. And nothing's going on. But it, notice it says that here, it says that he, uh, even though 
He, he regarded the promise. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. This is what we're going to find out that hope does. Hope helps to strengthen us in our faith. Because before we can see it, we can have the God kind of hope that allows us to see ahead. We're going to see that hope is like a blueprint. You know, uh, Cindy and I, when we moved back to Montgomery, we built a house. But you know, the, the first thing we saw about our house was a blueprint. They didn't just, you know, they didn't just go out there and say, you know, hey, I, what kind of house you want? Well, you know, we, we kind of like to have, you know, this many bedrooms. Out. Well, you know, hey, you know, and he didn't just, just go out there and just start slinging some dirt around. Said, well, you know, this looks like a pretty good spot, and you know, and, uh, you know, maybe we could do something here and just put up some chicken wire. And... No, they, they had a blueprint. And before I ever set foot in the house, I knew what the house was going to look like. I knew where the kitchen was going to be. I knew where the bedrooms were going to be. I knew, I knew what the backyard was going to be. I knew what it was about, but I couldn't go get in it yet. I couldn't move my furniture into it yet. I had a hope based on a blueprint that a man gave me. How much more can we have a hope based on the promise that God gave me? And if you'll let God's promise get in you, it'll begin to, what hope is, is a blueprint. He begins to give you a blueprint about His future plans for your life. Listen, remember this. Facts cannot prevail over God's promise. Now, you understand, you can allow facts to rule your life. But the facts themselves can never, if you choose to believe and hope in God's promise, the, the promise can never overcome the facts. I mean, the facts can never overcome the promise of God. God's promise is always bigger. God's promise always will prevail. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Are you hopeless or hopeful? <laughs> God's promise, let me say it again, must become the basis for my hope. You've got to find out, what did God say? It's not enough just to, I mean, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I really am. But it's not enough that you just come on Sunday. It's got to take more than that. You can't be a Sunday, go to meet and Christian, and, and live the way I'm talking about. It won't work. Listen, facts and promises both represent a truth, listen to this, to which either hope or hopelessness becomes attached. If all I do is look at my facts, now I'm not, remember, I'm, I'm going to reiterate it. We're not saying we ignore the facts. We don't. It says that Abraham, he faced the facts. But here's the thing. If all you do is listen to the facts, they have a voice. Absolutely they do. If you don't know that, you, 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 I don't know where you've been living. <laughs> they have a voice, don't they? But see, if that's all I listen to, you know what it's going to build in me? Hopelessness. And every time I look at something, there's going to be a hopelessness there. And somebody can even try to encourage me, another brother or sister. But all I can see is hopelessness. You can always tell where people are if you're around them very long because they start talking. And as soon as they start talking, you know what it is. If all I ever hear is the facts and I never hear any hope, any faith, any promise of God coming out your mouth, I can already prophesy where you're going. Because I know what God said. 
So here's the thing. What, what are you going to do? I'm going to listen to the promise of God, and I'm going to let my hope speak louder than my facts, and my hope, the hope in God, is going to become the anchor for my soul. Now, we know the soul is, has to do with our mind and our emotions, our thought life, and that's where the battleground is, and I'm going to let the anchor for my thoughts, the anchor for my feelings and my emotions. I mean, you know, your feelings can come and go, but I'm telling you what, man, I don't know if you've ever been in a boat where you put out an anchor. And you know, if the wind's blowing, it might blow your boat around a little bit this way. It might blow it around a little bit that way. But I'm going to tell you, when that anchor's down there, you're not going anywhere. And see, emotions are that way. You may have your anchor tied to the promise of God, and feelings come, and, and, and the devil shoots some thoughts at you, and it, it may move you a little bit, but I'm telling you, you know, you got your anchor in there, man. It's in solid. It's in the promise of God. It's, it's on the rock, Christ Jesus. That's where I'm building my house, and I'm telling you what, Jesus didn't say, you know, that the storm only came to the one who built his house on the sand. He said the storm also came to the one who built his house on the rock. The difference was one uh, was, had a permanence, and it came through the storm. The other one fell. Each not only represents a truth, but each has a viewpoint or a voice, either temporary or permanent. Look in 2 Corinthians there. And here's the thing. As always, you and I play the pivotal decision-making. It's up to you and I. You, you know, the facts and the enemy who works through the facts and circumstances of our life are doing one thing. God has already finished the work through Christ Jesus and had given us promises. And so we're always the one. We are the linchpin, aren't we? We make the decision. What are we going to do? Are we either going to go this way or that way? You cannot straddle. Don't try to straddle. That don't work. 2 Corinthians 4, listen to this. Let's look at verse 16. He said, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Our light and momentary troubles. <laughs> you hear some people talk. They think they're, you know, their troubles are heavy and they are eternal. <laughs> are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Therefore, we fix our eyes. Boy, he must have been a good southerner, hadn't he? Using the word fix. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. But on what is unseen. That's where hope comes in. Hope is, hope is the ability, what? To see a blueprint of God's plan and future for our life based on His promise and power. So that's what I look at. I mean, when we gave the approval for the house to start, we didn't do that just out of the blue. Well, go, you know, okay, he's a good builder. Go build whatever you want to. No. Man, we looked at the blueprints. We saw what, the, what it was going to look like. We signed off on the blueprints before they could ever start doing any building. 
Let me, I want to read, I wrote this down, I, I haven't read it yet, but I want to read this to you. Listen to this. This is from the message. This is back at Romans 4.18, but listen to this. I like the way it reads. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding not to live on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made a father of a multitude. Listen, verse. In this verse, it says, When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, what, he, what you don't have, what you can't do. See, too many people... Christians are looking at their inabilities rather than looking at God's ability. If Listen, if you're going to do it yourself, what do you need God for? Amen. Listen, the voice of the promise must become louder than the voice of the facts. The voice of God's promise must become louder than the voice of your facts. Because your facts are going, your circumstances, your facts, they're going to speak to you. Oh, Lordy, I've been there. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've faced it all. Physical challenges, economic challenges, relationship challenges, you name it. I've been there. I've been at this thing almost 45 years. I mean, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do it without going through some stuff. I'm, you know, I'm not telling you theory. I'm telling you, you know, what I know. It ain't a lot, but, you know, hey, if you add it to what you know, it might be some more. But I found out that my, my circumstances, my facts, they want to talk to me. You know, what you going to do now? 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 Big buddy, what you going to do now? <laughs> you know, you got a family depending on you. What you going to do now? You ain't got no money in the bank. What you gonna do now? I mean, you're 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 thousands of miles away from home on another continent. What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? <laughs> yeah, they talk to you. Amen. Sickness attacks your body. What you gonna do now? This is it. They talk to you, don't they? That's why I found out, man. You gotta you gotta listen. You can't be no sunshine Christian. You know what I mean by that? You know, Thomas Paine, you know, in the revolution, he said, there's a whole lot of sunshine patriots. In other words, when everything was going good, they was a patriot. But when the British were winning, all of a sudden they became a Tory. <laughs> you can't be in and out. You've got to get either in or out. The voice of the promise must become louder. Look, over, remember what James said over there? Let's lead. Heaven and hell want to get your mouth. They want control of your mouth. You know why? Because James says here that, that the tongue is a little member, James 3, but he said just like a small rudder on a large ship can determine the course of the ship, the same thing he said is true about our tongue. And you start looking at the facts only. You look at them and you look at them and you dwell on them and you dwell on them and you dwell on them. Guess what's going to happen? 
Well, let's see what James says. <clears throat> Verse 6, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Well, there's a, there's a twofold meaning in that. It can corrupt your individual body, but I want to tell you, a tongue on fire can corrupt the whole body of Christ too. Come on. He said, it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. The devil wants to set the course of your life on fire with the hell, the fire hell. He wants it destruction. He wants it full of doubt, discouragement, despondency, defeat, sickness, lack, discord, strife, division, divorce, you name it. If it's bad, if it, if it kills, steals, and destroys, that's what he wants. But he can't just make it happen. We give the devil far too much power on the one hand, and on the other hand, we're not wise about his, the way he schemes against us. We say, oh, the devil, man, you know, the devil's just going to, some people are afraid the devil's just going to jump on them or the devil's going to come in their house and just going to tear up everything. No, he ain't. He's first going to get a hold of your thoughts up here and then he's going to get a hold of this thing right here. And when you start talking it, you start believing it, you start expecting it, guess what? He just opened the door and said, come on in here. Come on in and do it. Man, don't want to do that, do you? He said, he sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Wow. He goes on down in verse 7. He says, it is, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Woo. But it doesn't have to be. We can give our mouth to heaven. We can fill our thoughts with God's promises and dwell on them. And the next thing you know, you're going to start speaking on them. You're going to start, I mean, the circumstances are going to say one thing, but you know what's going to come out of your mouth? I'm going to tell you what, yeah, I'm telling you what, yeah, the virus is around, but I'm telling you what, no evil will come nigh my dwelling. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm believing. Amen. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You say, well, I know somebody that did that and they got sick anyway. Well, just think how sick they would have got if they hadn't been doing it. You know, there's, you know, always, you know, there's always somebody that can point out an exception, you know. And then, you know, and of course, once they find out that you're, you're a preacher, they want you to answer it all. Don't fall into that trap no more. I tell them, you know, why don't you get in your prayer closet and get in your Bible and let God tell you. Amen. Why it happened or why it didn't happen. He might tell you it ain't none of your business, but I don't know. Hope is the blueprint. We mentioned that. I want to read out of Hebrews real quickly here. Hebrews chapter 11. He said, verse 1, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. One translation says, faith is giving substance to what we hope for. If you ain't got any hope, you ain't got anything for faith to work on. There's no, no there's, you know, you talk to some people, what do you believe? Well, you know, I just believe in, believe in God. But what do you believe? Well, nothing in particular. 
You know, faith and hope, it's not about going for a Sunday drive. Now, when I was a boy growing up, I don't know if any of y'all remember this, but well, we didn't own a car or a phone or a TV or an inside bathroom. We was rich. <laughs> not. But I had an uncle, and, and usually about once a month, he'd come for a Sunday afternoon visit. Anybody remember those things? And, you know, of course, he had a car, and he'd take us for a Sunday drive. Now, you know what a Sunday drive was about? Yeah, you, hey, this looks pretty good. Let's just go, let's go down this road over here. And then, you know, hey, that looks pretty good. And this, You know what? You know what our aim was? Nothing. We weren't going anywhere. We had no destination in mind. We were just riding around. And that's the way some people are with their faith. You're just riding around, not getting anywhere, not getting anything. What you do? I'm I'm believing God. Well, what do you believe? I mean, isn't that right? You ought to have a destination. Because if you don't have a destination, you're not going to have any kind of roadmap. You're not going to have any kind of blueprint. There's a process that brings us from promise giving, given to promise accomplished, obtained. Now listen to this. God gave Abraham a promise. Did he not? That promise, the first thing that promise did was it built some hope. Because that promise began to talk about the future that was not yet here. It talked about, a, it presented a picture and a blueprint of something that Abraham did not obtain yet. It was something he wanted. It was a place he wanted to get to. It was somewhere he wanted to arrive at, but he wasn't there yet. So that's the first thing. Now, you know, before we had all, all the GPS stuff and, you know, and our vehicles and everything, you know, we, we take a trip, you know. Uh, my wife's from upstate New York. Most of y'all know that. And so, we, you know, we, we'd go up just to visit the family, you know, a lot. We go up to upstate New York, you know, and you got out a map. Anybody remember what a map was? <laughs> and, and, you know, and we'd, we'd, we'd trace, okay, we're going to go from here to here. And of course, we had small kids, so we, we usually broke it down into two days. Not for the kids' sake, for my sake, because I go crazy. <laughs> Any of y'all ever been on a, a long trip like that when kids are little, you know what I'm talking about. And this is before we had TVs and all that stuff to occupy. You know. You know before I get to Birmingham, I'm like, are we there yet? <laughs> you know, I got, got another 15 hours to go, you know. So for my sanity, we'd break it up. But we had a map. I knew, I knew exactly where we were going. We, we, we had the map laid out. We had the route laid out. We had the checkpoints. I could tell when I was going through certain towns or I crossed certain state lines. I knew, yeah, hey, I'm on course. I'm on going in the right direction. We're, we're heading to New York. We're going to get there. But we weren't there yet. But we had the hope. The hope was the blueprint. And then as you continue in the Word along with hope, we know this, faith comes by and hearing by the and that word hearing there means, means continuous hearing. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Not just hearing one time. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Are you listening? We have to hear. You have to meditate on it. You have to listen to it. You have to mutter it out. You have to speak it out. You have to think on it. You have, you have to do it by purpose. So faith comes, and then faith gives substance what to my blueprint. 
to my hope, to the promise that God's given me. See, potentially, all the promises of God are yes and amen. They're all yours. But I dare say none of us in here have got them all. There might even be some you really need right now based on your circumstance and your facts. So here's the thing. What are you going to do? Well, I just believe, you know, if God wants to do it. Don't go Sunday driving with your hope and faith. You're just on a Sunday drive going anywhere it feels like, doing whatever you want to, hoping somehow, you know, God's going to move. And, you know, and even though I'm driving south and the sign says, you know, 20 miles to Miami, I believe I'm going to be in New York City. You can just believe it all you want to, but you're going to end up in Miami, my friend, unless you do it in about face. <laughs> Hope is not about my past. It's about my future. We're talking about the purpose of hope, and, of course, we're talking about reigniting our hope. You know, we live in a, in a, in a very unusual set of circumstances right now, along with everything else that has to do with normal living. Just, just quote-unquote, normal living's got enough challenges, but now we got some on top of them. So, you know, there's a lot of people that they, they're feeling hopeless. They're feeling helpless. They're feeling like, you know, they don't know what their future is going to bring. Well, that ought not to be the people of God. We ought to be the first one to tell them, I know exactly, man, my future's going to be good. God's got something good for us. God's got something good for our nation. God's got something good for His church. We're not going down. We're going up. We're going over. It's not about my past. It's about my future. My past has no power over my future unless I allow it to. I don't care if you failed at everything you've ever tried to do. It still can't affect your future if you get a hold of the promise of God. Let me give you some homework here. Is that all right? It's, it's easy, don't worry. I would suggest you do this, especially if you're, if you're dealing with some facts and circumstances that are just, you know, really working on you. I'd say take a piece of blank paper, draw you a, a line right down the middle of it, okay? On one side, list your facts. This is what, this is what I'm facing. He says, Abraham, what? He faced the fact. He didn't deny the facts. He faced the facts. On the other side, find the promises of God and write them down. And then, when the facts begin to speak to your mind, now this is important, read aloud, aloud the promises of God. Yeah, anybody know what this, this phrase means, to shout somebody down? You know, when somebody's talking and, you know, and, 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 you know, and they don't know what they're saying, and you just finally just say, you know, you need to be quiet. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Sometimes I have to, you have to shout down the voice of the devil. You have to shout him down. That's why I say read it out loud. Plus, we know the Bible says that his word is what? It's like a two-edged sword, isn't it? Amen? Well, one edge is put on that sword when God speaks it. The second edge is put on it when I speak it. Speak the word out loud and affirm their greater power to determine your life and future. 
I'm not letting the, the devil's not my Lord. He's not in control of my past, my present, or my future. He has no say in it. Now, he's going to try to have some say in it, but I'm not going to let him have any say in it. Amen? Jesus is going to have first say, and I'm going to have second say, and that's it. Jesus speaks it, and I second it. Amen? Hallelujah. It's carried. <laughs> Motion carried. God spoke it, and I seconded it. The motion's carried. This is my future. This is my hope. This is my confidence. This is my happy expectation. This is what God's going to bring to pass in my life. I've got the blueprint. I may not be able to move my furniture in the house yet, but i got the blueprint. I know what this thing's going to look like. This is how it's going to look like. It's not going to look like anything else. And, you know, you go back to that illustration, you know, with the blueprint of our house. You know, once that house was built, we pulled up in the driveway. It didn't look like, you know, strange, like, what? That's what I was expecting. I thought the garage was going to be over there, and I thought, you know, we was going to have a three-story instead of just a one. No, it was exactly the way we had pictured it. It was just the way it was intended. Had a blueprint. See your future shaped by God's promise rather than by the facts. Can you do that? And you've got, you've got to put something in you to be able to do that. You've got to put God's Word, God's promises into you. And I mean, man. And then, you know, and here's the thing, you know. Spend some time with the promises. You know, and you have to do that on purpose. You know, most people spend their, all their time with the facts. It's called worry. You, you know what? You, when you worry, you know what you're doing? You're spending your time with the facts. Awful quiet in here. But see, when, when I begin to, to, to meditate on the Word, and I purposely take some time where I, I, I read God's Word, I affirm His promises out loud, I begin to speak that. You know what? I'm spending time with the promise. This is not magic, church. They're principles of the kingdom of God. You can't shortcut it. You, you just can't. You know, wouldn't it be great if we could just, uh, you know, wave a, a faith wand over you and everything would straighten out in your life, but it doesn't work that way. It's a principle. So see your future shaped by God. I want to pray right now. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? My time is up. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, Lord, for all of us in this place that we will take heed to the wisdom of God, that we will be kingdom people, not just natural people, but we will be kingdom people, kingdom-minded. Father, we will see a future that's painted by Your promise, by the Holy Spirit within us. Lord, that we will see and have a happy anticipation of something good for our future, for our families, for our loved one, for our nation. Lord, that blueprint of hope will be reignited in us. And Lord, it will, it will absolutely determine the work our faith will do.
Lord, you said faith gives substance to what we hope for. Lord, I don't want to just drive around, take a Sunday drive with my faith. Lord, I want my faith to be aimed. I want it to be on target. I want it to be exactly in alignment with your blueprint for my life and for the lives of your people here and for Passion Church. In the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning, Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.